Mr. Stephen Allen's SomeNews.co.uk, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Some News Thingy number 33. Well, thingy, podcast, whatevs, people know what it is. Besides, you don't have to worry about picking the right words these days. That's what I learned this week. Well, two things happened. One, I was working in Salisbury this week and I was in a coffee shop. Yes, I know, I drink a lot of it. And I overheard a conversation between a woman and her male friend. Not that they were in a relationship. I know, it's amazing what they can do these days. And she said that the last thing that she'd seen in the cinema was Anger's Assembly. She meant Avengers Assemble. And you think, okay, you know, a bit of an idiot, but she's not a details person. Not everyone has to be all about the details. And then later in the conversation, I found out what she does for a living. Hairdresser. Detail is quite important there. I only wanted you to take a couple of inches off. Oh, well, trim, Mohican, it's all the same. And the other thing was Culture Secretary Jeremy Hunt. Now, we're not talking about the Leveson in this show, so we can play this clip now. Jeremy Hunt being interviewed about Leveson and the scandal and his links to Murdoch, and he said... I think what people want is action, not words. And what uh, we announced was... <laughs> Lovely. People like it when you do things, not say things. So what we said... Uh, idiot. Are you doing the spoonerism there, or are you actually calling him that? Fair play. Anyway, in this edition, it's all about the money. Particle physics for the discerning listener. And I don't want to scare you, but we talk terrorism. Ah. Right, let's crack on. Mr. Stephen Allen's Some News Podcast. The main news. I will tell you what's been in the news. Money. Money, the roots of all evil. So if you don't have a lot of money, you can't be that evil, right? Good news, Greece. In fact, Greece hasn't been the source of the biggest money news recently. They voted in a coalition government who are getting to renegotiate the terms of their debt. And if Germany missold them PPI, they've got it nailed. In many ways, I think we should be grateful that Greece is poor now rather than earlier in history. Because it, it could have ruined many good stories. Here, look, Greece have given us this massive solid wooden horse as a gift. Oh, isn't that nice of them? What, Greece? Poor Greece could afford solid oak. Um, hang on a minute. It's not perfect in Europe, though. The effects of Greece's economy has spread and Cyprus needed a bailout. A bailout. It's the third smallest economy in Europe. They should have asked for a whip round. Just to put it in perspective, Cyprus has the third smallest economy. The fourth smallest economy in Europe is Jimmy Carr. Yes, Jimmy Carr was in the news for not paying tax. So in many ways, he is the new Greece. And this, for me, was the best news I've had in ages. I was starting to think my career was going nowhere, I was thinking of quitting, and then I realised I'm in a higher tax bracket than Jimmy Carr. Yeah. He was in a perfectly legal scheme where even though he's earning millions, he paid around 1% tax. And David Cameron came out saying this was wrong. Cameron said there is no way that Jimmy should get out of paying tax. He is not a banker who went to Eton. It's not exactly what he said, but it's pretty much what he meant. I don't fully understand the tax scheme, but it was something like this. You set up a company in Jersey, so it's offshore. You don't get paid for your work, your company gets paid. And then you don't pay yourself from your company, Ken Livingston style, because you still pay income tax then. What you do is you lend yourself the money from your company in a loan that you will never repay. It's, it's genius, really. I tried it. The trouble is, I started chasing myself for the loan. I was worried that I'd never see the money again. Eventually, I had to get quite heavy with myself about the debt. 
Ah, Steve, my boy, we need to have a word. Ah, look, I know what this is about. I just, I don't have the money right now. It, it's a cash flow thing. Steve, 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 your cash flow is not my problem. Well, it kind of is. I lent you that money in good faith, and so far, I've not seen a penny back. But you lent it to me. It, it's not like you need the money. It's not about that. It's about reputation. I can't have word getting out that I'm a soft touch or I'll be tapping myself up for even more. What do I take me for? A mug? Hey, Listen, I want that money back. All of it. But surely it works out better if I just keep it. Keep the loan? Do I look like I'm crazy? Well, you are talking to yourself. Eventually it got out of hand and I broke my own thumbs. Uh, I certainly won't be doing that again. And neither will Jimmy Carr. In a statement, he apologised and said he'd made a terrible error of judgement over using a tax avoidance scheme. Uh, this was in a statement on Twitter where he also said, I met with a financial advisor and he said to me, do you want to pay less tax? It's totally legal. And I said yes. Now, you, you want to be careful with that. If someone says to you, do you want to try this? It's totally legal. Don't always take their word for it. Or you might end up travelling to Thailand with your five pound notes, wrapped in condoms and shoved up your bum. I heard a lot of callers on radio shows saying, Well, if you could get away with paying less, of course you would, it's natural. To a point, but if you're bringing in millions and you see you only pay 1% tax, you might think, hmm, maybe I'm the bad guy here. Maybe David Cameron was right when he said that it was totally wrong. And you must have messed up somewhere if the horse-borrowing David Cameron has the moral high ground over you. And then Cameron was asked about Gary Barlow's similar tax avoidance scheme, and he said he didn't want to comment on that individual case. So it means that David Cameron is a big old Take That fan. I suppose it's about type of people, maybe. I mean, Jimmy Carr regularly makes jokes about the disabled, and Gary Barlow makes deaf people feel good about themselves when he duets with Cheryl Cole at the Jubilee. I mean, surely you'd expect entertainers to be the worst people at handling money, right? Wrong! <laughs> The Royal Bank of Scotland. They had an IT problem, and millions of people couldn't access their accounts. RBS owns Ulster Bank and NatWest. They were all affected. I'm actually with NatWest. Recently, there was an email they sent saying that NatWest are going to be trialling contactless payments. Well, it turns out that means when you want to make a payment, you can't flip in contact them. It was a serious IT fault. Not the normal IT problem that we all deal with. You know the ones where you turn them off, and you turn them back on again, and it's fine. I also use the same technique with unresponsive sexual partners. Write that down, it's good advice. It meant that for days, people couldn't access their money online, uh, and also via telephone banking, because that uses computers. Welcome to RBS Telephone Banking. I'm sorry, but at the moment, the money you are trying to reach is not available. Please leave a message, and it will get back to you as soon as possible. RBS boss Stephen Hester apologised. He said that he would not be taking his bonus this year. I mean, he wanted to, but he couldn't get to it. He was trying to transfer it online. Uh, Apologising to customers, the bank said, We appreciate this has caused an unacceptable level of inconvenience. And it said this on its website under the words, NatWest, helpful banking. But it was helpful, though. I mean, it, it was nice that the problems I had in paying my bills were the bank's fault instead of mine for once. In fact, I had to send NatWest a letter pointing out that they were the reason I couldn't pay my bills. And I charged them 30 quid for the letter. See how they like it. Some people claimed this problem only happened because RBS has been offshoring their IT centres to cut costs. To be fair, offshore computers are the only ones that can keep track of Jimmy Carr's money. So what they're going to do? 
But how could they let such a thing happen? They're meant to be a proper bank. Apparently, the problem arose after they tried to install a software update on RBS's payment processing system, but ended up corrupting it. More likely, someone clicked the wrong link on YouPorn. But either way, RBS became the most hated bank in the UK, right? Wrong! Barclays. While NatWest couldn't manage to fix their own computers, Barclays managed to fix the LIBOR rate, the London Interbank Offered Rate, the rate at which banks in London lend money to each other for the short term. They lied about the rate that they were borrowing at from other banks. And that changed other interest rates. If you're lying about the rate you're borrowing at, surely the person who's lending to you has to lie too, don't they? Unless they were lending money to themselves. Don't do it, banks. You'll end up breaking your own thumbs. Barclays were fined £290 million by UK and US regulators for attempting to manipulate LIBOR. And this is lying that cost people money. That is pretty much theft by any other name. Some have been calling for criminal charges to be brought against them. And what bothers me, when you go into any branch of Barclays, they still chain the pens to the desks like we're the thieves. Political pressure mounted on Barclays uh, chief exec Bob Diamond. Chancellor George Osborne made a statement to Parliament in which he said the behaviour was a shocking indictment of the culture at banks like Barclays. And that's from George Osborne, a man whose best friend was a cocaine-taking hooker. So that is really saying something. Barclays shareholders weren't happy, and Chairman Marcus Aegis resigned. The next day, Chief Exec Bob Diamond resigned. And later that day, Marcus Aegis unresigned. Marcus was out of a job for less than 24 hours, and they say the government's back-to-work scheme isn't any good. I love the idea of being able to unresign, though. I'd like to unsleep with that woman in the third year of university. Don't ask for details, all you need to know is... Just like Marcus Aegis's problems, it cost me a diamond too. Uh, Bob Diamond then had to face MPs at the Treasury Select Committee. Oh, that was a high-pressure thing. That was one diamond ring that would have been getting tighter. He started by saying what he liked about Barclays. Wow. Um, I love Barclays. That's where it starts. Uh, I love Barclays because of the people. It's... um, Hang on, did he... Did he just use that cough to hide the words and the money? <clears throat> and the money. Um, he went on. 16 years ago today, on July 4th, 1996, that I began at Barclays. And you got your independence from the bank on the 4th of July. And as an American, I'm sure you will still be going on about that hundreds of years later. Uh, there was a note from the Bank of England's Paul Tucker that could have been behind what happened. Here's what was said. The note from Mr. Tucker says that... Uh, he felt your LIBOR returns could be lower, yeah? Why then on page two of your note to this committee yesterday did you say you don't believe you received an instruction? I didn't believe it was an instruction. So what was it, a nod and a wink? A nod and a wink means lower your rate. I think I'll try that next time. Uh, Bob did finally apologise. But I want to assure you, David, that behaviour was reprehensible. It was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm disappointed. And I'm also angry. That sentence feels like it needs a because we got caught at the end of it. And did you notice Bob Diamond was calling all the MPs by their first name? But I want to assure you, David. And do you live in a parallel universe to the rest of the UK? Andrea, I'd be tempted to get over familiar with him, too. My next question, Dick, is about Uh, Dick is short for Richard, not Robert. I know what I said. But the best bit was the rant by John Mann. You must have been grossly incompetent in your job during that period of time if you weren't complicit in this. 
So, is there a question? <laughs> oh, brilliant. Is there a question, or should I just take my 20 million payoff and go? And that's the thing. Anyone who's found guilty will get more money than most of us can dream of. Anyone who's not found guilty will stop for a while and then go back to doing something equally as bad. What can we do? Now, okay, it's only 14 traders in the whole of Barclays who did it, and people in other banks are probably equally as guilty. But even so, what if we still punish the bank? What if anyone who's offended that people like this lie and cheat take their money out of Barclays and they stop doing business with people who still bank with them? Sure, innocent people will get punished, but it would send a clear message. If you get caught doing something the public don't like, you will nearly go out of business. And the profit-hungry shareholders won't want that to happen. It will change what they want from their board. There's lots of talk now about how we need to change the culture in the banks. Well, culture is a product of environment, and if you want something to evolve, you have to change the environment. But do I think we'll actually do that? No. I think we've just been totally screwed, all because of a diamond. I feel like a gold-digging wife. The SomeNews.co.uk podcast. Have a listen to these scientists watching a lecture about physics. The last time a bunch of scientists got that excited, they'd found the topless pictures of Diana Troy from Star Trek Next Generation. This was the discovery of the Higgs boson, the so-called God Particle. It can't really be called the God Particle anymore because they've proved that it exists. If the Higgs boson is the God Particle, then it must also propagate into a Jesus wave. That is the only Holy Trinity slash De Bruyne's wave particle duality joke that you're going to hear for a while, trust me. Might not be any good, but it's technically all there. It was the scientists at the European Organization for Nuclear Research, or CERN. Hang on. I mean, how can CERN, how can C-E-R-N be the acronym for the European Organization for Nuclear Research? These people are meant to be clever. I suppose they, they must be clever. They've discovered the Higgs boson. I say they've discovered the Higgs boson. They actually called it a Higgs boson-like discovery because scientists are trying to be trendy. That's like Higgs boson-like discovery, yeah? Do you get me? Not really. It was a breakthrough that took almost half a century of work. Some of the greatest minds in the world. Over three decades of experimentation and £2.6 billion spent on a big machine under Switzerland. And now they can pack it all away. Hopefully they won't. I think they can still get some use out of it. What they do there is they speed up subatomic particles to near the speed of light. Then they smash them into each other to find out what happens after these collisions. And uh, it turns out what happens is this. I'm a proton, I'm a proton, oh, going ever so fast. Whee, oh, watch out. Oh, ow, oh, do, oh, I got a text message. Our oh, records show you've been involved in an accident. How do they know this? The discovery of the Higgs boson particle would be one of the greatest achievements in science, if they're right. And, well, you know, it's not like the people at CERN to be wrong. As I was saying just the other day on my faster-than-light neutrino computer that, oh, yes. But it is big. It's up there with the great recent triumphs of science, like the discovery of DNA, the moon landing, and making Cher's face look like that. Finding this particle fits in with the standard model of physics. And it's, it's this particle that gives mass, that gives everything mass. So it's Higgs' fault that I'm fat, not the cakes. Well done, Peter Higgs. It was back in 1964 that Peter Higgs first proposed the concept of this boson. And uh, not everyone was convinced. Even as recently as the year 2000, Professor Stephen Hawking bet another physicist, Gordon Cain, $100 
that the Higgs boson would never be found. And this week he said that he would have to pay up. I hope he doesn't bank with NatWest, because let's be honest, if anyone is using computer banking, it's probably him. So Hawking was wrong. It's like when Einstein said that quantum mechanics would be proved wrong. Basically, all these scientists are idiots, so that's all right. Uh, Twitter went mad when the news broke. Some people were saying on Twitter they'd noticed that in the presentation that was used to announce the discovery of the Higgs boson, they used the Comic Sans font. Ugh. How big does a discovery have to be before they'll use Times New Roman? Comic Sans? I mean, this is science, not a memo from your co-workers saying they're going bowling this Thursday. People jumped to CERN's defence, with tweeterers uh, saying, actually, Comic Sans is proven to be easier for dyslexics to read. They have that many dyslexics working there that they have to take that into consideration, really. And now we know why the European Organisation for Nuclear Research has the acronym CERN. It's interesting that faced with one of the most groundbreaking moments of science, Twitter brings sarcasm and flippancy. It's a good job we didn't have ye olde Twitter back in the olden days of science. Sir Isaac Newton has discovered a gravity. The penny finally dropped. Lol and indeed ruffle. The sumnews.co.uk podcast. So far in this podcast, we have covered fiscal policy, European economics, and then quantum physics. This is way too highbrow. So to address the balance, I found this story. To Londonderry, where a judge described as awful the behaviour of a single mother who urinated on a street and then exposed herself to the members of public. And he's right. That is terrible. She does that in a street while some of us have to pay good money to watch... Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. The prosecution said that the woman dropped her trousers to her ankles, urinated, and then stood up in full view of a number of people. No one asked why there'd been a small crowd that gathered to watch, but maybe there's not a lot to do in that town. I don't know. Uh, Then, a member of a passing police patrol arrested her. She then became aggressive and shouted abuse. Oh, what is she playing at? If you get caught doing a whiz in the street, you don't kick off and start shouting... You pretend you were running a marathon. The prosecution said the woman was in breach of a conditional discharge imposed on her two years ago. So she had a discharge and she wheezed in the street. This podcast is starting to sound like an episode of Embarrassing Bodies. And just to make sure I have lowered the tone properly, I got to thinking. We've all done a street-based tinkle in the past, you know, when you get caught short. But what is the strangest place you've ever had to make your toilet? I asked the question on Twitter... And here are some of the answers. Annie Translator said, In a dusty, cobwebby squat loo in a mosque in Turkey with the trots. No paper or running water. Not a high point in my life. Well, when I, whenever I meet you, let's, uh, let's never shake hands. Jamie Fox One said, A well-known skier has been warned about peeing at the starting gate many times. No names, though. Well, surely you could work out which one it is. He's the one with a with a long, thin yellow stream heading towards him. Automatom says, My mate used to work at a concrete plant and had no loo. Just a wheelbarrow behind the office with a bog roll on the handle. Ah, oh, gross. Although the balance, I think, must be quite tricky. Dan Hodd said, A beach in Wales. Oh, that's going to wash up. Atlantis Fly Girl said, Mother-in-law had to crap in a plastic bag. Uh, back of a van on the M6. True story, if horrid. Did smoke come out of that bag? If so, she's a terrorist or something like that. Uh, Emmeline Taylor said, My friend peed in a Diet Coke bottle on the back of a minibus once. We were on our way to a club and she just had to go. She just had to go? There's a bloke you can do it in a bottle, but how do... Actually, 
I was going to say I don't want to know, but maybe I do. If they're good pictures, do email them. Uh, Rob Stormchaser said, In my car ashtray on the M11, I was stuck there or I was stuck on it for eight hours a few years ago. How did it? <laughs> There's so many questions. Do you, did that not over, overflow? Do you have really small, tiny lady bladder? Anyway, don't want to know. And in answer to the question, where's the weirdest place you've ever made your toilet? Easy Nova said, Leicester. It's a bit harsh. The SomeNews.co.uk podcast. Terror on the mean streets of the M6 toll road. A security incident saw the motorway close for a while. And as it happened, we caught up with our man on the scene to find what it was all about. Hello. Hello, Steve. I'm here on the M6. M6 toll. What? The incident happened on the M6 toll road, not the M6. The toll road bypasses the M6. So you, you were on the toll road part, yeah? No way, Steve. It costs £5.50 to go on there. Fair play. So what happened? Counter-terrorism police and armed officers stopped a bus on the motorway after a man was seen pouring a liquid into what looked like a smoking bag. And what, what was illegal about that? Uh, it was a no-smoking bus, Steve. That's, that's not it. Police said they had to stop the megabus because the man could be a terrorist. A terrorist who takes a bomb on a toll road, a road that actually costs you money because it's less busy than the normal M6. Yes, Steve. He's not a very good suicide bomber, then. Well, it's hard to be a good one, Steve. Uh, You don't get to practice. I'll give you that. It's a one-shot deal. I will give you that. Hang on, though. Megabus? Uh, Yes, it was the Megabus to London. In the year 2001, terrorists hijacked three planes. In the year 2012, they thought a terrorist was hijacking a Megabus in the Midlands. Wow, this recession has hit harder than we thought. This was serious, Steve. So what happened? The armed police evacuated the megabus and the other passengers sat on the tarmac for hours. They'd just been on a megabus. In comparison, that was comfort. But thankfully, as it turned out, it wasn't a terrorist. Well, duh. It was a man who was using an electronic cigarette as an aid to quitting smoking. (laughs) What an idiot. No, Steve. Quitting smoking is a good idea. It can improve your health and can help you live longer. He travels on a megabus. Why would he want to live longer? The somenews.co.uk podcast. Your letters. Just time for one of your letters. This one reads, Dear Mr. Allen, you are invited to the opening of Western Europe's tallest building, the Shard in London. Why don't you tell me I got one of these? I didn't re- oh, I've missed it now. I didn't realise I was invited. Yeah, yeah, I would have gone. I know a lot of people have complained about it, saying that that the shard was a phallic monstrosity. But look at that picture. That is not phallic. If your penis is shaped like the shard, get yourself down the doctor, mate. You got something wrong with the end of your knob. Honestly, this podcast is getting more and more like embarrassing bodies. The somenews.co.uk podcast. That's it for another episode. Check out somenews.co.uk. Get the e-newsletter, the Android app. You can read it on your Kindle. Uh, You can subscribe via iTunes. And don't forget, in August, you can see the live show. It's a free show. Details on the website. Go to somenews.co.uk. Till next time. Bye. The Some News Podcast. Get more at somenews.co.uk.